Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be delving in to a number of global equities. We've had a quite a busy week over in the United States in terms of earnings from some of the US tech giants. So we're going to be looking at one company in particular, as well as some of the earnings from the FTSE 100 this week, as well as a very busy week for economic and central bank data. And to go through all of this, we have very kindly with us, Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us this morning. Hello again, John. How are you? Yes, yes, very very well, thank you. Coming towards the end of, of what's been a very hectic week. It has been, hasn't uh, For it? us yeah. here at, U- at UK Investor Magazine, it's, um, you know, it, it feels like almost um, we, we fit two, work, two weeks worth of, uh, of news and updates into, into one week this week. So very much looking forward to the weekend. Yes, yeah, yeah, me too. It, it, it's been a, been a busy old week on many different levels, but uh, certainly. Indeed, indeed. So, I mean, one of those busy elements of the week has been instalments from central banks. It's becoming increasingly common at the moment that we're seeing the Federal Reserve, ECB and and Bank of England all uh, update the markets, not only of their interest rate decisions, but of course, through their press conferences, give hints of what their thinking is on uh, monetary policy going forward. And and this week on Wednesday, we had the Federal Reserve. They hiked rates 25 basis points. And yesterday, we had the Bank of England and ECB increase the base rate by 50 basis points. However, what was quite interesting in the two days and, and two sets of uh, instalments from the central banks is we saw very much the Europeans, so obviously the ECB and, and the Bank of England here, pushing forward with that 50 basis point. So they're obviously looking at inflation and still concerned about high, how high it is. Of course, here in the UK, it's still around 10%. But over the, in the United States, inflation has been falling. And that's given the Federal Reserve enough reason to reduce the pace of their rate, rate hikes, only 25 basis points. Although all major central banks here in uh, in Europe and, of course, in the United States have said that they're going to push on with further interest rate hikes. I mean, the ECB have actually said, look, we're going to go ahead with 50 basis points in the next meeting. Bank of England said they're going to hike rates again, but haven't been as explicit in the amount. And the Federal Reserve, and this is really where a lot of the optimism has come from this week, actually said... Yes, we're going to be hiking rates, but it's going to be at the lower levels because we've really seen the highest point in inflation. And that's the biggest story, I think, this this week, that last year it was fears about where inflation was going and, of course, that the central bank reaction to that. But this week, I, I think it's a, it's a material change in the rhetoric that we're seeing from central banks. And they're really saying, yes, we still have high inflation mm. But it's it, we're, we're past the worst of it now. And in fact, I think that the, the Bank of England said that they see inflation rates falling to 4% by the end of this year. So that led them to increase their forecasts for the UK economy. They still forecast a recession here in the UK, but it, it's going to be milder. 
uh, and shorter than they previously thought. I mean, one of the meetings last year, they actually said they they saw one of the longest recessions on history, but they're rolling back on that now. And that's been reflected in markets. We're seeing the foot to 100, above 7,800, not yet reaching those all-time highs. But what has been very interesting, Alan, is the reaction in US markets. The Nasdaq last night closed up 3%. So it looks as though the markets are very much pricing in this easier monetary policy going forward. But do you feel now, when we're looking at where we are on markets, that a lot of this good news has been priced in and we may be in a situation that markets could have got ahead of themselves a little bit because we're still going to be seeing soggy growth. We, we, we're yet to see the worst of it, but there's still predictions that we're going to see it. And, it. and it seems as though the markets have priced in, you know, nine to 12 months forward where we've gone actually past that at uh, that point and recovered on the other side. But we've, we've still got this tough period to come. So do you feel when we start to see the numbers deteriorate, if we see the numbers deteriorate on an economic basis, that we that we see a bit of volatility and, and maybe provide a buying opportunity for people to get into these equity markets at, at lower levels? Uh, John, I'm sure we will see some volatility. That that's that's inevitable going forward. But I think what has what really has resonated with me more than anything else is is actually <laughs> Much as I hate to uh, applaud the, um, the 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 central banks, um, I think uh, the the central banks have actually done quite a good job of managing expectations. Of course, the forecasts last year were real prophetic doom and gloom um, in regard to uh, monumental interest rate rises um, and extended recessions, longest recessions in history. We're certainly going into that now, but. They very much set the scene last year, so I think I think markets last year priced those expectations in, and what we're now seeing is largely a fulfilment of those expectations uh, to some degree. But now, uh, when you have the Bank of England governor coming on and, and saying, uh, "Yeah, it's going to be bad," that uh, you know we, I, I think late last year the the expectations for interest rate hikes were to a maximum of four and a half percent rather than six percent um that kind of is still very much the in, in keeping with with that forecast so i think we're seeing we're, we're seeing uh the the forecasts uh, become reality um and as they become reality of course the economy is progressive we've become used to dealing with and living in the the high interest rate environment um and on the horizon now there are prospects that the high interest rates are indeed peaking um, and indeed could even start to fall uh, by the end of the year. So we've had a winter of discontent. Uh, we're, you know, obviously on a personal level, a lot of families have been, you know, very badly hit by the cost of uh, um, energy bills, um, despite the assistance packages from the government. But I think it's been well managed. And I think if the this pragmatic cautious bearish approach continues then um i think we'll see relative stability in the markets and and really I mean, we were saying this the other week the uh, um, the markets have performed remarkably well i mean of course the the FTSE is largely uh, exposed to dollar earners so that reflects the the strength and of course is very much a, a global based indices in in that regard and of course here we are still close to those uh, 
close to those all-time highs. And uh, there's every every prospect that as we go forward into the year, um, we could we could see the indices uh, push through those highs and and, and set new ones. So. Certainly, the backdrop, uh, whilst uh, it's cautious, I, I think there are many factors in play that will act as drivers for growth. Um, you know, for the big energy companies, for the uh, for, for commodity service provider, commodity providers, and uh, you know, we have burgeoning economies still developing across the world. We have China coming back from COVID, uh, of course, and all of the. Uh, all of the ramifications that uh, that will bring in terms of of uh, consumption of raw materials and everything that goes with it. So I think uh, overall, um, it's been managed well so far. Looking forward, um, looking forward, I think uh, I think we can probably bet on that careful management continuing. Um, and with that, I think will come comparative stability. Yes, yes. I mean, certainly looking at the markets today. After you know quite a, quite a strong session yesterday, it it looks relatively relatively steady out there. So it looks as though the market's content with with where we are for now. So, and we're going to start to get into the companies. We've got four companies we're going to discuss today. Uh, the first one that we're going to look at is Shell, which actually reported yesterday. But you know, it was a company, of course, that was grabbing headlines. It reported a record. $40 billion profit for 2022. There wasn't very much movement in the share price because they've been very forthcoming in their numbers and giving out ranges in, in, in the fourth quarter updates and they've been giving quarterly updates. So there wasn't a huge amount of movement on the back of that because it was very much expected. But it's worth just running through those numbers, Alan, because they're they're profound in uh, in looking how uh, Shell performed last year. So, I mean, what was the key takeaways from their from the earnings result yesterday? Well, I mean, it, it, it's uh, these are telephone numbers, aren't they? In terms of in, in terms of uh, profitability, forty billion profits, forty billion dollar profit in two thousand twenty two, and of course, driven by the, the higher oil and gas prices uh, due to the uh, Russia's invasion of the Ukraine um, and other factors. And I think also, I think there's a, a realisation across the world now that despite the, uh, the move to clean technology, it's not going to be as straightforward and as clean cut a path as uh, it once might have been. And I think, I think ironically, um, many uh, EV owners, I, I, you know, talking to people this week, I think a lot of people that have bought EVs are in some cases taking them back and trading in for Conventionally, uh, conventional uh, diesel and uh, petrol-powered cars, because of course the cost of electricity now means the cost of running an EV is 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 an awful lot higher. So, so we we've still got very much a a very solid market for the likes of Shell to and and BP and the other the other um, oil and gas majors to to to, to feed from. But of course, um, uh, Shell is all about developing oil and gas assets around the world. Um, and uh, it, it, it's the earnings from their integrated gas and upstream and business units across the world that has, has been so impressive. You know, the adjusted earnings up to 39.9 billion from 19.2 billion in two, 2021. Um, quarter four uh, uh, results uh, um, really sort of uh, demonstrated the, uh, 
the, uh, the the impact of higher oil and gas prices. Um, but of course, and of course, with that, have become uh, we've we've heard the clarion cries from uh, from uh, um, uh, journalists, uh, pundits, uh, uh, people at home that uh, these win these incredible profits should be taxed. And uh, I'm not going to get into that, but there's certainly an argument for it. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, market forces prevail and Shell, with its enormous network of oil and gas production facilities around the world, um, benefited hugely, hugely from that. But what's all, all, almost interesting, also interesting, is that uh, although we've kind of pushed renewables to one side, um, Shell's renewable unit is starting to make a small impact on their earnings. Um, the uh, the unit uh, um, uh, recorded $1.7 billion in earnings um, and also generated profit of $243 million against a loss in 2021. But um, uh, Shell was, it, it, it Shell very much made a point of these earnings in its announcement, uh, in, 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 in its report to the markets. Um, and also it's made, uh, it, it's made acquisitions, uh, biogas producer, Nature Energy, um, joint ventures uh, with various companies, including um, Echo Wende. Um, and uh, of course, that's uh, developing a an offshore wind farm. And we're seeing wind farms around the world now, uh, you know, contributing to, to uh, power into, into the grid. Um, but certainly, certainly uh, the, the majors such as uh, Shell and BP are very much looking for the future and positioning themselves for this. And of course, with those sort of earnings, it means um, that they can accelerate their growth in the renewable sector simply by going out and buying companies because they've got such an enormous cash war chest to be able to do that. So I hold Shell shares too, have done for a long time. And I think a lot of investors will have Shell as a cornerstone in their uh, in their portfolios. Um, of course, you've got a dividend there of 3.3%. Well, we're slightly off year highs at um, £25.50 a share, currently trading just below £24 a share. And that's um, up from year lows of £18 per share. And of course, a few, a few years ago, um, when the during COVID, when the oil and gas uh, uh, prices crashed to the floor, and in fact, one stage, I think, uh, at one stage in 2020, um, they're actually paying people to uh, take the take the, uh, the 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 barrels of oil away from the from the from the stockpiles. So um, it's been a remarkable turnaround. Um, but I think with an eye for the future, the majors recognise they had to position themselves in renewables. And I think if you can take any comfort from these numbers at all. Um, I, I would fully expect Shell and probably BP and others too to use these huge profits to invest into clean technology and further accelerate that that progress. So um, it will ultimately result in a boost in clean tech in the longer term. That's my opinion. Yes, I mean I think they're very much under pressure to do so. I mean, that, I mean, that's one of the reasons why they've said, and it's not just Shell or BP, it's, you know, it's all oil companies mm. that are enjoying extraordinary profits from last year. The argument is that they shouldn't pay a, a windfall tax because they're going to be investing it in green energy, which if they do that, I think that's the right thing to do. But we need to see that follow through because, of course, at some point in the future, it's probably not going to be in 10 years, 20 years or 30 years, these are going to be renewable energy companies. They have to be. They have to transition to that 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 uh, that business model. And if they start investing now, I think in the longer term that will provide investors with 
above average returns compared to the benchmarks for those companies that are able to do that sooner rather than later. So we're going to move on now, Alan, and, and look at a company. It's been quite an interesting week for US tech stocks. As I said at the beginning, we had Meta that reported earlier on in the week, you know, of course, the, the owner of Facebook that was up 20%. I was reading somewhere that Mark Zuckerberg recorded his, his biggest daily gain in his wealth. In, I think in one day, mm. his wealth gained $12.5 billion. And that was obviously a better better than expected results from from Meta. But we're going to look now at Amazon. They reported after the bell last night, and looks as though they're down 5% in the pre-market. So not as promising returns there from those those results, of course, to Meta. But it's worth it going into the numbers. What were the key takeaways from, from Amazon? Yeah, I, I think Amazon, of course, is the, it's very much regarded as the bellwether for economists. It's such a... It's such a, a huge entity, um, generates so much money that uh, it really does accurately reflect the uh, the uh, the uh, the status and um, the the spending power of of economies around the world. Of course, they're integrated into all parts of our lives. Uh, you, you know, we've um, I in fact bought something off Amazon yesterday, uh, and uh, my family were, were kind enough to buy me some tokens for my birthday last year so i still have some of those around and you know of course you you buy it and then a few days later or a day later it arrives and it's uh, the logistics network is astonishing it really is but certainly for uh, um, amazon shares uh, were up yesterday and i mean on the on the year they've um, we've seen quite a sharp recovery since christmas i mean you know uh, uh, it, the the dollar price of the shares eighty four dollars lows uh, at the end of December and here we are now at one hundred and twelve dollars and certainly a, a jump yesterday in, in anticipation but still a good result net sales up twelve percent to uh, just under one hundred and fifty billion I mean one hundred and fifty billion dollars that's an astonishing amount of money um, better than expected um, and uh, but uh, also those are just fourth quarter sales as well so you just think of the uh, the, uh, the wealth and the turnover that company is generating over the year. Operating profits were down, but um, only down 2.7 billion from 3.5 billion uh, a year ago. Um, sorry, it's down to 2.7 billion from 3.5 billion, um, reflecting uh, a restructuring charge, which also, also included uh, severance costs uh, as well. But I mean, set against the backdrop of the sort of money this company is generating, it's, um, it's a blip in the ocean, barely. Um, the division that continues to really be the powerhouse for Amazon is, of course, AWS Amazon Web Services, the the, uh, the eponymous hosting giant that I think most of most companies, most small businesses in the UK are are hosted on in some way, shape, or form. Um, so that was that was huge, uh, 5.2 billion dollars of profits in the first in in the fourth quarter, um, and the company says uh, first quarter of 2023 is expecting to deliver sales of between 121 to 126 billion dollars and operating profits uh, uh, up to four billion dollars but of course I think that's the X factor the uh, uh, you know whether the company can generate profit is is uncertain at, at this point but of course the what it does reflect is um, is uh, is the status of spending power in the USA uh, which seems to be holding up reasonably reasonably well but of course uh, uh, as the interest rates we've been discussing continue to bite, um, we're seeing interest rates fall in the US now. So 
I'm sure if we see an increase in sales uh, and, and profitability from Amazon as the year progresses, then it's going to very much uh, drive the the tech heavy indices, uh, tech heavy indices, of course, such as the as the Nasdaq. But um, but the the when you get to the sides of Amazon, of course, delivering and continuing to deliver growth on that scale becomes more difficult. So um, so really, uh, I, I think it's we need to see where the UK, where the US economy uh, is at uh, in the middle of the year, and of course. Um, whether uh, the careful management that um, I, I discussed at the start of this podcast by the central banks in managing expectations, managing economies, continues to to be the case going forward. Indeed, I mean it, it is really quite interesting how things have transitioned since the the midst of the pandemic with these tech stocks. Mm. They were at one point, you know, real momentum stocks, and you know, re- really disconnected from. The underlying valuations, but it's quite interesting in the in the last six months that they've they've really become value stocks to some extent. You, you know, they've obviously increased now, but you know the, the likes of Amazon, Tesla, even down down at a at a hundred dollars. You know, that momentum is yeah. completely sapped out of them in twenty twenty two, and they they've really become ones that are people are looking at now for the valuation, which which look a little bit more sensible. Than they did. Of course, they're still very racy compared to other sectors within the market, but they do look a little bit more like companies that you can you can value and trade on their on their valuation as opposed to just purely buying into them because they're tech stocks and, and they dominate indices. And you have to be in them as a fund manager if you want to try and outperform the market. Because if you're underweight these tech stocks and they go off on a on a rally, you're going to be left behind, and it's not going to look very good for your for your customers. So that that's quite an interesting transition that we've seen with these these tech stocks. I'm going to be watching very closely in the coming quarters for their updates and obviously the earnings that they have and and how the market reacts to those. So we're now going to come back to the UK, Alan. It's a company, Avacta. We we wrote in the UK Investor Magazine about the potential very recently for Avacta. Um, so you've been looking at them this week, Alan. What's taken your eye? Well, of course, this has been very much the darling of the the uh, of COVID stocks uh, throughout um, throughout COVID. Of course, it was uh, uh, the the focus was very much on the lateral flow tests and the and the work that Avacta uh, were doing in that area. Of course, the FEDX SARS COVID test uh, um, has has continued to make progress, but. Um, Pre-COVID, I mean, Avacta has always been about uh, uh, biotherapy-based cancer immunotherapies using human proteins and developing treatments uh, through uh, through its technologies, including precision, uh, uh, to 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 uh, provide uh, simpler and less invasive treatments for uh, for for cancer sufferers. Um, and indeed, uh, the company have made substantial progress in that regard and if we look at the share price now i mean avacta is just progressing it's making really steady progress i mean shares are up four percent today at um, 165 pence and uh, the chart since uh, really since last year is, is looking very strong indeed the the stock came back from lows in march 2022 and has been trading steadily uh, you know with the floor just uh, well Probably around the, the uh, around the one pound level uh, for the best part of the last six to nine months, but really strong progress um, uh, 
really since uh, since December as as the company has has progressed. Um, and part of the reason for that is, uh, of course, in November the company raised two million at ninety five p. So that continued to hold that floor in the stock at, at around a pound. Um, and uh, part of the reason for for the raise, uh, of course, was the um, was uh, uh, a, a number of developments, including the acquisition of Launch Diagnostics, um, which uh, includes uh, which was for, for, for twenty four million uh, sterling, um, and uh, through the acquisition, um, uh, Avacta said that it saw it sees a significant opportunity in Europe and UK to continue to build an immunodiagnostics and molecular diagnostics value chain through acquisitions. So, so launch diagnostics, very much the first step in that regard. Then in January, uh, the company announced, uh, you know, going back to its core, um, the AVA 6000 uh, treatment for cancer treatment, um, forced dose escalation for this phase one uh, resulted in considerable success. Six tumor biopsies uh, undertaken by the company confirmed that the tumor targeting potential of the precision technology owned by Avacta um, and the treatment uh, the, the treatment process was well tolerated by patients um, and through that uh, it was noted that there was much less toxicity than with standard chemotherapy. Um, uh, significantly, the SDMC, the Safety, da- Safety Data Monitoring Committee, um, has recommended that uh, these tests continue with higher doses of the AVA 6000 for Phase 1B and future studies. Um, but these, the results from the uh, ongoing studies will complete in the first half of the year. So very much being driven by that because, of course, uh, you know, cancer sufferers, uh, chemotherapy the invasive nature and the and the the, the trauma that uh, it causes patients is well known and this this treatment is looking uh, very effective indeed uh, but also without the side effects that uh, with chemotherapy that chemotherapy that are so well documented so it's a very very bright future of course uh, um, dr alistair smith has uh, been at the helm uh, of the company all the way through um, you know, very much he doesn't get distracted by by trends in the market. He's just very focused on what the company does. I saw um, Alistair present at a, a conference a few years ago. I was very impressed by his vision for the company, and that continues today. And uh, he's surrounded by a very strong board of uh, of leading figures within the within the industry. And I think Avacta now is on the verge of uh, making a breakthrough. And certainly, if you look at the share price performance. I think we'll set the spring on and move on to the next level. Indeed, indeed. We had Charlie Archer write an article for us very recently and said Avacta is on the verge of uh, FTSE AIM greatness. Yes. Now, all eyes will be on the further developments in these trials of the of the therapy. And we watch very closely for those results. So they'll be highly anticipated. So moving on now, Alan, to the last company we're going to look at today. It's... Aquis, of course, they've got the Aquis Exchange as well as trading venues for main markets, equities across Europe. So what's the latest update from them? Yeah, Aquis, uh, I mean, it really has changed, hasn't it, John? You know, we were, of course, you know, the focus has been on AIM and, of course, uh, FTSE main market. Um, 
and what has previously been OFX, uh, ISDX, Next Exchange, and so on, uh, finally became Aquis a few years ago. And with that change, I think it really finally came of age. And everything is done over the past two to three years, led by Alistair Haynes, Chief Executive, um, and of course, uh, the uh, uh, the cha- uh, chairman Glenn Collison, who came in to replace Nicola Beatty uh, just over a year ago, um, very much, uh, very much uh, uh, reaffirms that. So, as you say, um, Aquis AQX is the epicode. Um, uh, is the Aquis Exchange? Uh, the Aquis Exchange operates multilateral trading facilities uh, across Europe. Um, uh, it's, it has a list order book. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's uh, offers lower toxicity and risk than perhaps other other um, similar um, um, multilateral facilities. Of course, there's AQSE, which is the Aquis stock market. Now, that provides um, a primary and secondary markets uh, uh, for trading. Um, of course, the access, uh, the access um, uh, a listing there is for, com- is for the IPO process. And then uh, if the company does well, it then becomes what's called an apex company. Uh, and the apex companies can now be traded electronically. And that really, I think over the years, has been the biggest hindrance to uh, a company listing, looking to list on Aquis. Um, with the with that change, uh, we bring in far greater liquidity and, of course, the opportunity for companies to list on Aquis at a fraction of the cost that it would take to list on uh, AIM or other exchanges. And, and that's been the big attraction. So companies with a, with a, a decent offering have been able to get their listing away. And, of course, um, if they're able to deliver on their growth vision, then, of course, they become an apex stock, which helps that liquidity because it introduces them to retail investors trading electronically. And that's the key to it. So um, the, the company has delivered steady progress. Um, also, of course, uh, John, uh, John, you mentioned that um, the, there's Aquas Technologies, which underlies and underpins everything. And that is the software and technology uh, uh, um, uh, team and infrastructure that provides and, and underwrites, if you like, the the uh, the uh, the uh, exchange and uh, and everything that the company can offer, um, and it provides market gateways, of course, for banks, brokers, and investment firms. So, through the year, we've seen uh, we've was uh, w- w- certainly the last year we've seen um, the chairman Glenn Collison stepping up and buying shares we've seen uh we've seen uh, developments from from the company uh, um in um in, in july last year uh the company announced that its apex stocks uh, are now trading on hargreaves lansdowne of course hargreaves lansdowne is the largest uh, uh retail platform in the uk um and uh for people to be able to invest and buy and sell aqua stocks is a big jump forward and um, you know a huge has a huge impact on liquidity for some of these smaller companies. Um, just a, an independent note out in September last year, a uh, big, uh, huge European IR firm, Pedroza, rated Aquis a hugely efficient source of funds for European companies. And indeed, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of uh, 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 dual lists and uh, um, uh, companies uh, uh, companies listing on Frankfurt also having dual listing. Uh, in uh, in London uh, on the Aquis as well. Then in December, um, IG Markets, of course, a huge provider of, of uh, trading services. Uh, IG announced that it had expanded its offering with Aquis listed stocks. So that's uh, again 
boosting liquidity for uh, for companies looking to list on Aquis. And then, of course, we have um, we have uh, a trading update from the company um, at the end of January uh, last week. The company said it's trading in line with expectations. Full year is expected in line. So um, not really, I think, reflected by the share price performance. I think uh, it's been a fairly lackluster year for the shares. Um, of course, uh, October last year, we were trading at year lows uh, around £2.70 a share, now trading £3.70 a share, um, but still somewhere off year highs of £5.80 a share. So I'd expect a little run in the stocks probably up to March the 30th, um, because I think uh, what we will see in time is with the retail service providers now able to offer electronic uh, trading facilities in leading Aquis stocks, we're going to see a boost in volume and that will, of course, feed through to the bottom line. Indeed, indeed. There's some in very exciting companies actually on uh, on Aquis, yeah. so certainly worth having having a look at at some of those. So thank you, Alan. Just to to run through the companies that we discussed today. First of all, was Shell, which has a ticker of S H E L. It was then Amazon, which of course trades over in the United States under a ticker A M Z N. It was then Avacta with a ticker of A V C T. We just finished off with the Aquis Stock Exchange, which has a ticker of AQX. Alan, thank you much for joining the podcast today. Thank you, John. So just as a note to listeners, we do have a number of virtual events coming up. We have investment trusts, we have growth companies. Do check out the events section on the UK Investor Magazine. Have a look through those and get yourself signed up. So I hope to see you there and thank you very much for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.